When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello everybody, welcome to The Ruck from The Times and The Sunday Times and I don't know, look, right, we're going to try and try some Christmas rucking puns here. Rucking around the Christmas tree? No? Does that work? No? Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell. Ruck? Nah, rubbish. Anyway, happy Christmas everyone. We're recording this as a pre-record so please don't text in or phone in, you may still be charged. We're actually doing this a few weeks ago as we thought the news agenda had slowed down so much to give us time to record a Christmas podcast. So Alex Lowe, I'm with him, and Al Dimmock from Rugby World, and with him. Let's keep this as timeless as possible, guys. It's not as if Eddie Jones is going to get sacked or anything like that. So I think we can talk with confidence on that front. Alex, you were telling me how much you admired Liz Truss's leadership skills as well before <laughs> this. So I think <laughs> yeah. I think we're okay on those fronts. Alex, how are you? How's life at the moment? Very well, thank you. Well, it's been um, yeah. I mean, not much going on. Pretty quiet since the end of the autumn internationals. Uh, yeah, pr- pretty well here, thank you. And looking forward to a big new year, big World Cup year coming up. Alan's joining us as well too, and Alan's now the the editor of Rugby World. So there has been news on that front. How's that going for you, Al? Yeah, um, I'll be thankful when we're into the new year, Will. But it's it's been an interesting start to things. Not as as you guys have alluded to. If things could stop happening, that would be great. Just so that we could maybe just actually look at just some rugby would be fantastic. But I suppose there's a good reason to jump into this. We've um, we've got loads to talk about if we're looking back on the year that was 2022. Bloody hell. And Al, your, your first edition as editor of Rugby World is out when? Like pretty much now. 28th of December, the the new edition is out. And actually, it's quite timely that you guys have asked me on because if we're giving out awards for the year that was uh, my first edition uh, as editor of Rugby World, we've got our own World 15. So I'll be interested to see if ours matches up with what we discuss here today. Yeah, look at that. It's almost as if we planned it. Well, for Ruck listeners, when you're tuning in after Christmas, this is what we're going to do on this podcast. We're going to try and pick or try and agree on our men's 15s team of... 2022 individuals who's going to play in each position hotly debated we're going to try our best on that we're going to award a team of the year so one team who ruled them all in 2022 a player of the year an unexpected hero and a kind of out your seat moment and later on the pod too you're going to be able to hear from zoe harrison the red roses fly half who's had a pretty roller coaster year herself so there's loads coming up on the ruck today so enjoy and debate because we're definitely all going to agree on everything, aren't we? Right, and we'll start twenty twenty three with a bang. But right, Christmas let's get is into not some about awards. Christmas is not about sitting around the table with everyone agreeing with each other, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we get cracking with some of these awards then? Right, lads. So let's start with the major one, and maybe let's do a bit of housekeeping. So we're going through the men's fifteen of the year. 
Uh, should we start at the front? Two guys think, who played in the front row here. I think before anything else, you haven't really, we haven't even planned for this, so I'm pulling this completely out of left field. Come on! But because we've not planned for this, is I think that my pick will just be the one. Coach for this team should be Pablo Lemoyne, head coach of Chile that took them to the first ever World Cup. Done. Sold. Right. Let's yeah, start talking okay. about the team. And and with the amount of players that he's going to have at his disposal, he's basically not going to be needed anyway. But he's a fantastic coach. We've mentioned a couple of times in the Ruck. So, yeah, he was snubbed cruelly from the World Rugby Awards list, wasn't he, Al? So, yeah, good shout. All right. So we've got a coach. That was easy. Should we start with some loose heads? Uh, we've we sent around a little long list, which you may have missed people off, but it's just a guidance. And on the long list, we've got Cyril Bay, Ellis Genge, Andrew Porter, Stephen Kitsoff. What do we think? Alex Lowe, we'll start with you. Uh, so World Rugby's team of the year had Ellis Genge in this position. But I just can't look beyond Cyril Bay. I go back to the Six Nations and and just what a, an impact he made for France in that Grand Slam campaign. So... For me, I'm giving it to I'm giving it to Cyril. He he's he's the guy I've marked down on my list. Al, I actually this is going to be, seem weird to begin with. I'd quite like to get you two's front three, and then I'm going to talk you right mm. through my thinking for the front okay. row. Okay? okay, I'll I'll be quick on mine then. My front Go. three are Cyril Bay, Malcolm Marks, Franz Malaba. All right. Well, I went with Cyril Bay, Julian Marchand, and Big Tyke Furlong because he's my favourite player. Okay. So, okay. Alan, argue us out of those. Well, you can have two front rows from me. You can either have the scrummage, all-out scrummaging front row. <laughs> this is too already. <laughs> you can have my running rugby front row. Which okay. one would you like first? Fun 15, I'm going for, please. So, my running 15... It's actually between Genge or Cyril Bai, but I think I'd go for Genge because who can forget him running from fullback for most yeah. of the game? Dan Sheehan mm. is the game's all-out running number two, touchline hugger that he is. And I'd play Tyg Furlong in that game in that game as well because he's just got a masseur's hands. But if I'm going all-out, scrum them to death, front three, I'm going De Groot from New Zealand at loose head. I'm going oh, yeah. Julian Marchand at two. And I'm going my hero, Franz Malherb at three. Stick it up the jumper, do whatever you want with it because we're scrumming, lads. <laughs> I thought I you were just... going to chuck a couple of Georgians in there, Al. Yeah. No, well, they're coming off the bench. Mamakash <laughs> Billy and his beard are rocking up at half time. The Georgian finishes, yeah. I love but that. I, I love the fact that Malherb is a bit of a throwback, isn't he? Where in the days of tight head props who can chuck passes, he's basically a brilliant at one thing, and that's just melting people up front. And like that's fine. That's okay. We're allowed that. So I'm happy. That, that needs to be protected. There should yeah. be people with, with placards outside stadium gates saying these people need to be preserved. Because... Let the boy scrum on a yeah. placard. <laughs> so I think we need a consensus rather than having three different teams. So who's conceding ground? Are we agreed that Malherb is a tight head? Listen, it, we're saying that as if Furlong isn't exceptional up oh, front, yeah. which he is. So to be honest, he could fit in either camp. So I'd be happy with him. No, so actually, I will. I'd like to stand by Tyg, and okay. I'd be willing to debate the loose head. Fine. So who's your? Who are your loose heads? I, I, I went for Cyril by loose head, and Marshawn Hooker. Well, I think we've all. I think Marshawn wins at two. All right. Okay. And 
listen, I, I just think Ethan DeGroot needs DeGroot's maneuver needs some um needs some respect put on his name because few people talk about him. But you know what? Cyril Bai is an exceptional rugby player. I'm a big, big fan of his. Okay. So I think we're happy with Cyril Bai, Julien Marchand, Tyg Furlong. That's the front row. Um, I like it. I like it. Okay. So let's move on to locks. So on our short list, which I compiled, so again, there might be some that I've missed <laughs> off. Even Etzebeth, Tyg Byrne, James Ryan, Sam Whitelock, Cameron Waukee, Paul Willemsa, a smattering across the, the world there. Noah Toji. What do we think? Al Dimmock? I mean, you interviewed Eben Etzebeth recently, Will. Um, it's mad that he was not up for awards from the World Rugby Awards. I mean, what was that panel smoking? It blew my mind yesterday. Uh, as I said, we're, we've compiled our own World 15 for the new issue of Rugby World magazine. And it just, I, like, I had to double take. I was like, 110 caps for this bloke. Yeah. It's, it's mad. And he seems fresher, better than he was years ago it's it's crazy he's, he's he's got the lot and i just think it's i just don't even think it's worth debating like evan etzabeth has to be in any team of the year done yeah okay. that was easy then that was easy but, so who's joining him my, my one was tyg burn because i'm remembering back to the july series against new zealand and i just thought hmm. the way he wins turnovers and plays ball as well as wins line out and everything else just love as well that. as kicking balance as well as kicking to touch yeah. and getting the ball back yeah, yeah, yeah. And hell of a balance between the enforcer and then someone who can play a bit more. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, um, I marked down uh I mean Paul Valenza was was awesome for France, but I wanna I'd want yeah, the enforcer and the athlete. So mark down Byrne and Cameron Wockey, who was mm. huge for France in the Six Nations. But I just think and we'll probably come on to it later in the conversation, but what Ireland achieved down there was was so huge and a couple of their forwards were integral to it, and and Byrne was one of them. So, I, I would I'd be happy with Ty Byrne or Cameron Wocky. Obviously, when it comes to picking South African forwards, the numbers that they've got on the back of their shirt can be quite confusing. So, Etzebeth runs around with number four on his back. He scrummages on the tight head side, and for that reason, I, I mean, I'm I'm in with Al. I I absolutely love Paul Villamsa, but he's a he's a tight head scrummager. So I'm going to undo myself here when I get the wingers completely wrong and don't care. But <laughs> the uh, I, I'd want Tagburn in there with him. I just think yeah. he he's exceptional. Cam, Cameron Walkie is a, a is a phenomenal player, and he's yeah. I think the World Cup's his to to sort of impress everyone around the world and sort of people realize just how special he is. But for the year he's had, Tagburn unbelievable. Okay, yeah. so agreement across the board. That was the easiest yet. Etzebeth, burn, locked in. Now the back row. Before we start, so I have some small piece of insight. So you mentioned the World Rugby shortlists and dream teams and all that earlier, guys. So apparently, so Ardi Sever didn't make that at all. And the insight I've got from someone in the room is that apparently he got um, loads of votes, but all in different positions. So six, seven and eight and didn't have enough in one position to get into the team. Whereas their back row was Josh van der Fleer, Matera, and Greg Aldrey. So are we agreed as a trio that Severe, wherever, has to be in the back row somewhere? I mean, again, it comes to the numbers on the back, doesn't it? Because you know, we'll, when we come to another word later, it's just to me is silly uh, to not have Ardi Severe. If you add six, seven and eight together, my math isn't good enough to tell you what number that is, but slap that number on his back because he's got to be in the team. There you go. It's hard to have, to not have Gregory Aldrey represented in this team like I've got a surveyor but 
But Audrey, with with the Grand Slam, with what he did for La Rochelle in their yeah. Champions Cup win, that like that's a hell of a year from him. And you know, you could be tempted to play Audrey to eight, Surveyor at, at six, and and Van der Fleer at seven. That's that'd my be, three. That's my bad. That is actually my, is, I really that like is actually my three, but with the flip flipped round is Surveyor eight and Audrey at six, and just change where they play in defence. The other honourable mentions: uh, Kaylin Doris, hell of a year for Ireland. Pablo Matera, who was in the dream team that World Rugby came up with, which possibly was on the strength of that win in Christchurch against um, New yeah, Zealand, but hell of a player. So, okay, Ardi Severe, Josh van der Fleer, who was the World Player of the Year, and then Greg Aldrey. And times listeners, you can debate what order they're in, but there are three in the back row. I've So scrum half, the next one, I found tricky because mm. there's a fair few candidates, but DuPont's the obvious one, but I think we've said on previous pods that he probably didn't quite have the best 22 compared to 21. But does that necessarily mean he doesn't make the team because he just had such a good year, year the year before? Thoughts? Yeah. How how high is is the bar so high that if he dips a little bit under it, we're like, oh no, what a shocker of a year. Yeah. And then you what? And then after all that, you watch him come on for Toulouse and just like link together for a, an exceptional try and make it look dead easy against mortals. And it's like, oof. Fafta Clark is an incredible player. This is this is probably the only forum I'll get to talk about this. Just slotting goals. Like, yeah, yeah. But a lot of people, I think myself included, didn't really think that he had that in his arsenal. And then he's like, I'll step up to the plate at test level and, and knock over some three-pointers. Yeah, no bother. I mean, just a brilliant player. But I think DuPont's ceiling is so high that even if he's under it, you've got to, you've got to put some respect on it. Um, I, I want to ask you a question, Will, because on your long list you had... Nick White. Now, if there's if there's South African <laughs> listeners to this, they are going to be they'll probably switched off by now. But sell it to me. I don't wind know. up merchant of the year, surely. Yeah, wind up. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew Ronell's favorite, uh, Nick White. Um, yeah, I mean, I I was kind of just looking through teams and just sort of thought who's played consistently because it was an odd one because England haven't had an marquee nine. I mean, even Faf's been good, but he hasn't started or played every game for the box this year. Jamison Gibson Park, I think, is worth a mention. He was very good mm. in New Zealand, but probably slightly less prominent in the autumn because they didn't have a quite as strong a fixture list, which maybe contributed there. And Connor Murray still plays a fair bit. So, and then you've got Aaron Smith, who was exceptional in Wales and really good at the start of the England game. Um, but then the All Blacks is a funny one, isn't it? Because they, by their own standards, had one of the worst years they've ever had, but they've still got some outstanding players. So. Yeah, the Nick White one was kind of who else is there really, which is bad of me maybe. But I, I think I, I'm happy enough with Dupont being a nine because he is the best nine in the world. The funny, just I've I've looked up some stats on Dupont just before people come at me um, over the Christmas and New Year period, and yes, I realised that Antoine Dupont played fewer of tests this year than Fafta Clark. So before you DM me on that front, but Did it he? was this, yeah, oh, he, played, he didn't go on tour. Yeah, he didn't go to Japan. So, oh, right. but I feel like the ta- I don't know is the tariff higher because it's a grand sl- captaining his side to winning a Grand Slam was five of them, yeah, and then a couple massive. of autumns where you beat. Although he did get a red card against South Africa, so maybe I'm talking myself out. Right, should we move on before I accidentally <laughs> drop him from the team? <laughs> okay, so we're fine with Dupont. Right, let's move on. Um, I feel like Fly Half's another one that's tricky because again, the World Rugby Team of the Year had Johnny Sexton in it who was ex- exceptional again in um, Ireland. 
but then you've also not got that many other outstanding candidates, perhaps, to to pose him. Roman and Tamak, obviously, the Grand Slam winning French fly half, great partnership with Dupont, everything else. Richie Mwanga, seriously good player, but again, New Zealand didn't have their best year, but managed to retain all their trophies. You're not having an Englishman in there, are you? Or a Welshman, a Scot, anything else? Al Dimmitt, what do you, what do you reckon? Oh, it's hard. It's, it's hard. You're right. It doesn't, there's not much of an arms race going on there at the moment. The way that Ireland have played, he's integral to that, uh, to the extent where, you know, tactics have been changed to sort of try and protect him from himself. I say from himself because he'll still take the ball to the line and it's like, oh, and it's wince inducing hits. Is he, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. It's like, you know, it's coming, you know, it's coming, you know, it's coming. Um, it's going to be block on block play and then, oh, all of a sudden, and oh, there's a wraparound, or there's him putting the ball in behind someone, and it's created a turn. We knew this was coming. How has he managed to do it again? <laughs> so, and the yeah. guy's the guy's thirty seven. Yeah, yeah. The way the, the level that he's maintained, or even lifted in the last couple of years, I think it's him. I think actually it's it's the right call. Yeah, I think I, for me, Untermat was probably the closest rival. Moanga had a good year, but in a in an off team, I think Sexton and, and Untermat are the two main options, and, and I, I'd go with I'd go with Johnny Sexton. There's there are more controversial positions yeah, to yeah, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and on your comparison with Intermac, um, stat wise, they played the same amount of games and similar amount of minutes. Um, Sexton made more carries, more meters, more line breaks, beat more defenders, completed more tackles, missed fewer, and kicked his goals. Which Intermac doesn't kick goals, but anyway. Mm. So I think on that strength and everything else, Johnny Sexton is in. Centers, it's interesting how the, how the stats sometimes don't quite reflect your memory because I'm about to yeah. go by not picking Intermac at 10 quite happy to argue for an all French midfield but mm. now I'm thinking is Will about to tell me that you know Gail Ficou didn't play that many tests <laughs> outside centre and actually I should go for Rico Ioani at 13 but well my my two were possibly the most obvious two Ficou and Dante Dante mm. played seven tests Ficou eight and you've got Barrett and Yuani who played 12 each. Lucan Yuama only played five. And he was in the well, rugby team of the year with Dialinde. Gary Ringrose played 10. So a bit of so, a difference in experience there. You'll have a stat, Will. I've got a stat for you about Dante. Go on then. Same number of turnovers as Tyg Byrne in the Six Nations. Ooh, good stat. With five. Ooh. So, like, the, I, for him, the, the, what he brings, I think Jonathan Dante's only got 18 caps in total. <laughs> Wow. There was four years between his fourth cap and his fifth uh, because he was brought in by Guy Noves and then they were like, actually, now nah, mm. we don't fancy this, lads. And then he, we had to wait a while for him to come back. I just think he's exceptional. I think Dante's my my 12 of the year and people will come at me for that because there'll be South African players that deserve deserve a bit of respect there that, that should come in. But the 13 is the one where I'm umming and eyeing because mm. I think Rico Ioane's been exceptional in that position for the All Blacks. But Gary Ringrose, we need to talk a bit about him and probably need to talk a bit about him and his future because I'm hearing a lot of people say, is he going to be the next captain for Ireland? He's mm. grown in maturity. The The way that he, he leads for, for Leinster is exceptional. And, you know, when he's fit, he just seems to have the entire toolkit. And it's and it's it's largely defensively a lot of it as, as it is in attack. But... In an attack, he can run an arcing line and and spot a gap and put someone else through it if he has to as well. I just think he's he's excellent. So it's Rico Yuani's just TNT and, and <laughs> Ringrose's all round excellence. I'm sort of 
yeah, I need someone to to push me over the edge one way. So yeah, it's a it's a funny one again, Alex. I'm sorry to blow apart theories with um, stats here, but <laughs> just looking at the tackle success, Fiku against Ringrose, and Fiku's eighty eight percent of his tackles, and Ringrose is way down at seventy six, which you wouldn't think yeah would you? but maybe that that's makes, games that you that play makes a mockery of just what i've said actually. I know, i'm sorry i'm not trying to do that but um but ringrose beat double the amount of defenders as fiku I, i'm i'm kind of i had fiku and Dante as my two but i'm prepared to have ringrose what do you reckon alex i had fiku and Dante, and i just think my recollection of the six nations of him playing some of the assists that he gave the tries he scored just remember, like at the end of that championship, he was one of the players of of the Six Nations for me, mm. ahead of uh, ahead of uh, Gary Ringrose. And I know it feels a long time ago, but I would prefer I prefer to go Dante and Fiku. I think Fiku is just an outstanding player, and the way that he he could play off, he does play off Dante. It's just um, electric. Like, yeah, producer Alfie, if you can put a gavel sound effect over that, that'd be great. Just... <laughs> Case closed. Okay, the gavel's down. But actually, the other point I meant to make about uh, Fiku is that he's just as effective playing 12, 13, or out on the wing. Plays the roles differently, but he's he's just a multi-purpose, versatile, brilliant player. So, yeah, sorry. Gavel back down again. Fiku over Ringrose. Well, why don't we move on to the wingers? <laughs> or do we want to do a back three as a back three? Or is there a very obvious... Fullback. What do we think? I think let's do the wings. Let's do the wings first because okay. I think. Well, put it this way. I'm just going to throw this out there. I just want a quick yep or no. Have we all got Damien Penno in our team? Yes. Alex. No. Alex. <laughs> oh, okay. No, Alex. But Alex he's... sitting there watching Penno single-handedly win a game for France against Australia and go, nah, unmoved by that. Yeah. No. No. That's not. quite that's not quite fair. <laughs> he's on. He's in my top three for two positions. So I'm. I could be much more. Oh, you've done persuaded. rankings. You've done far too much work for this. Rankings. Well, not not <laughs> quite. I've, I've got. I've picked three. Okay. Options for for the wing. So I could easily be. I could be more easily talked into Pano over Buffelli than I than I was for Ringrose over Fiku. So I have I have Buffelli and Pano, but I'm not wedded to Buffelli. I just love the Buffelli goal kicking and. Yeah. The way he did that at Twickenham and rugby championship and all that. Penno eight tries in nine tests. We've had a lot of hashtag yeah. respect okay. in this, but I think that's that's pretty large, isn't so, it? And and uh, that try against Australia was unbelievable. But then you've got Aronza, who scored seven in seven and scored that ridiculous one at Twickenham and all sorts else. It's between Aronza and Kabuato for the the breakthrough player of the year. Penno for me nailed on. Okay. Just exceptional player. And I think if you are desperate to win and you want someone that can do all sorts of things, but like physically, but also bring something out of the bag, I think Penno's there. Because we want to talk about numbers, then I'm going to sit here and just go, well, let's get Darcy Graham in then because yeah, he punches so high above his weight, but his try scoring feats are exceptional. He's had a phenomenal start to the season in the URC with Edinburgh, playing with Buffelli. Well, Buffelli wasn't there, but you know, same team. I just think, yeah, Penno's nailed on. So it's it's the other wing where also Gabin Villiers, remember that guy? Yeah, he yeah. Tough hombre. Wrong, he got injured at the wrong time. But you know, you know, if we're gonna talk about Arensa and Darcy Graham, he's in the, oh. the same mix as that, sort of just like wow, yeah, tough hombre. Well, and I mean another guy who isn't a monster physically, but Marika Corabetti, who I, I had down, I 
is unbelievable player and 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 achieves things that you don't think are possible until he he then does it both offensively but actually what what sticks in my mind are, are some of the tackles that he makes that when, tri-saver well, yeah, yeah when we were down in australia in the summer yeah. like what a player he is so i was tempted to include him yeah i i had him and and Buffelli and penno as as my three which okay. which way doesn't even reference will jordan Jordan, it's a hard one, isn't it? When I, mean, I know we've been all right with it when Dupont missed games and stuff, but Jordan didn't play loads in the autumn, did he? Yeah, so no. there's a bit of that in there, maybe that. Uh, what's the recency bias, isn't it? Mapimpi as well. Like he's a bit that goes under the radar quite a lot. Are we in a it? Are we in a golden age of of wide players? We might, be yeah, but it. sort of like low key wide players that don't get the sort of John Alamu, Shane Williams sort of credit. I don't know. So who who's your second wing, Al Pano? Oh, uh, you know what, King Boff, put Buffelli in there. Boff. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so we're going Pano and Buffelli, right? So okay, and then fullback, um, Alex. I know you love watching <laughs> Freddie Stewart a lot. Mine's I've got Willie Larue down, but my two honourable mentions on the shortlist were Ange Kapowatsa and David Niniashvili, the unbelievably good Georgian fifteen. I've panicked and written down all four of those names. Really, uh, LaRue, Stewart, and Capuozzo, because I'm like, oh, Alfie, producer Alfie's just typed into the chat Melvin Jaminy. And the thing is, is that France aren't even picking him at 15 at the no. moment either. They've gone <laughs> yeah. for Thomas Ramos. It's like, wow, where are we going to go? I, I was, I would have had this nailed on as Freddie Stewart, who was in the world 15, uh, mm. World Rugby 15 of the year. Um, it's funny, after the All Blacks game, I asked, Ellie Jones, um, who was standing just along from Freddie Stewart about how good you know, Freddie Stewart now was. He sort of played it down a bit. He said, yeah, he's, he'll have a bad game at some point. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's had a great run, but he'll have a bad game at some point. And, and like, seven, seven days later, he uh, he, oh. he delivered one. Um, but I... I a bit like year, though, I don't think you can hold one bad game against someone. No, no. no that's, I, what, that's what makes it stand out, because I think... We're talking an awful lot about Test rugby as well, but for Leicester Tigers, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was exceptional. Yeah. No, no, it's, for it's sure. Bad to no, think for, how young he is. For sure. All I'm saying is, if if he if he'd had an, one of his usual international performances against South Africa, I wouldn't be open to a debate about this at all. I think he he's been outstanding in every game I've seen him play. I just don't believe this. So I've got a stat here <laughs> that I, you know, I like my stats, but I, they're betraying me here. Spreadsheet. Because stack, tackle success at fullback. So Nini Ashville is at 95%. Capowatso, second on of our four that we put on the shortlist, at 77%. And by the way, thanks to Opta for these stats. Willie Lewis, 63%. And Freddie Stewart, the safe hands, 55% tackle success at fullback in test this year. That, that just doesn't make any sense. Two, he misses one out of every two tackles. Yeah. I can't believe Guys, that. You have but to remember bit... the style of this is. I mean, I do, I do like stats, but the missed tackle stats can be the most misleading yeah. of all because it depends on your kick chase and sometimes mm. tactically, the chase you might miss a tackle, but it forces someone to run in a hole that they didn't want to be in and they've got to rebuild. So, I, I'm not putting a massive amount of stock in that. It's still a little bit surprising for sure. I remember, I do remember. I forget the game now, where he he bit into it. He was he was the widest of England's defenders, and he bit into early. And the ball went across him, and they scored in the corner. I can't remember who that was against. And that was a, a he misread that, but that's not a missed tackle. That's just a misread. I, I just think what he, what he brings to Leicester and England, like you just you just have 
like ultimate faith in him at the back. I'm uh, going to give you. I'm going to give you a sensible answer about why Willie Larue, Larue is an incredible player. And years from now, we'll talk about how special he was for South Africa. But he, it's because of that. If you've got Sexton and you've got Fiku managing things in the midfield. Maybe you don't need Willie Larue because he is yeah, the, he's the second playmaker for South Africa. He is he performs nice. a very specific tactical function for them in attack. We're picking the best team in the world, so you know what I've talked myself into into Freddie Stewart here. All right, so we're giving it to Freddie Stewart. So to run it through, we've already got our coach, your man from Chile. We've got then the team: Cyril Bry, Julian Marchand, Tyg Furlong, Ebenezer Beth, and Tyg Byrne, Surveyor, Van der Fleer. Greg Aldry, the back row, in whichever order you want. Antoine Dupont and Johnny Sexton, the halfbacks. Dante and Fiku, the centres. Penno, Buffelli, Freddie Stewart. Everyone happy? I mean, oh, I yes. Uh, I'm going to be <laughs> deactivating my social media when this goes out. <laughs> that is the team. Though. There's no debate anymore. That's it. Who's We've the captain, it. Will? Uh, I think, well, there's a few candidates, aren't there? Sexton, Dupont, Surveyor. Aldry. Aldry, yeah. I would say for slightly more chilled vibes, if we're having a slightly more fun team, I think Ardi Surveyor. Joseph yeah. in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, as <laughs> yeah. he wrote in the Times, that's going to be on the, the CD player. CD player, God, that's not what it, they have anymore. How old are you? <laughs> on the Spotify, <laughs> yeah. Um, right, okay, so that's our team. Uh, next, we need to run through some very quick ones. So the, right. the, the the team of the year, as in the, the side, we can go men's, women's, whatever you like here. Alan Dimmock, editor of Rugby World, your team of the year, please. Black Ferns, they won a home World Cup. Uh, they had to turn things around in a very short space of time, which I think some rugby, other rugby teams in the world will be looking at right now. Oh, okay, they can't just go out and get Wayne Smith, but I think, yeah, let's let's celebrate that. Let's have the black ferns, Alex Lowe. Yeah, you can't. You know, if, if we're combining men's and women's rugby here, you you can't look beyond what they achieved, particularly the the story behind what they achieved, coming from really from nowhere, from chaos, um, less than a year out when they when they tore it up here, the job that that Wayne Smith did, you know, what a, what an, an incredible coach he is. Incredible rugby brain with no ego whatsoever. Brilliant story. Uh, to, during the autumn, we discussed this, didn't we? If it, the, for the men's award, does it go to the number one team in the world or the undefeated team in the world? Uh, France, who were undefeated all year, won the Grand Slam. And I I edged towards Ireland in my in my kind of conclusion there because of, of that win in New Zealand. My men's award would go to Ireland. My women's award would go to the Black Ferns. And my combined award would go to to New Zealand. Yeah, I think I'm agreed on that front. Black Ferns beating a team that hadn't lost for 30 tests in a World Cup final, pressure on, yeah. and having been so bad the year before, they're our team of the year. Okay, um, player of the year. And are we are we going here for the player that gave you the most sort of joy, column inches, everything else, or are we going for the, who do you think is, is actually the best player in the world? I don't know. You can decide on that one. Well, I think I'm going to go for who I think is the best player in the world right now, or or has been for a large chunk of it the, the last year, is Ardi Sevilla. I mean, we've spoken about him a lot, but even just if you want to look at the autumn alone, like I've just got some of his numbers here. He made he made more pick and goes 
than anyone else, but he also made the most meters from anyone from pick and goes. He's made 16 meters in contacts from pick and goes, which if you think about what a pick and go is, that's crazy. Just the way he sort of runs onto the ball, scoops up at the deck and goes himself. Uh, more more offloads than any other forward in the Autumn Nation series with six. Joint most defenders beating most game line successes of any player. Joint second for turnovers one. Like he's just sustained excellence and oftentimes his knees must be killing him from having to put his team on the on his back <laughs> just exceptional you'd agree with that alex you interviewed him recently good bloke yeah well. yeah um i think it's a tough one because he was outstanding in the team that as as al says but he was often having to drive them or carry them with him pull them through situations he's, he's his personality as much as his rugby has been important in helping this New Zealand team pulled themselves out of the hole that they were in after that that Ireland series defeat and then a defeat in South Africa and a defeat to Argentina. But in a different circumstance, I think Josh van der Fleer deserves it because he has been critical to a team who are achieving things that they've not achieved before. You know, they've never won in New Zealand before. They've never consolidated their place at the top of the world rankings before. I just think he has been consistently through the Six Nations, through that summer tour and through the autumn, just an outstanding player. And he would get my vote narrowly from Ardi Saver. Okay. So are we getting everyone to toss the little gold Christmas coins at the moment? <laughs> the chocolate coins for that. I mean, I'd love to throw Aldrich in there. As we mentioned in the team thing, I think him winning the Champions Cup, a bit like with Van der Fleer doing something that hadn't been done before with a team. Mm. Um, hell of a boy great carrier won a Grand Slam as well but I can concede to one of yours so are one of you conceding or are we are we going to have one each why don't we have one each let's do one each we'll do Aldrich we'll do a whole back row basically Surveyor Aldrich and Van der Fleer how like kind um, okay Unexpected Hero um, is our next one and I'm going to go first on this because it might be one everyone else has got and then we can agree <laughs> <laughs> and I can sound clever Steve Diamond is oh. mine Oh, Steve Diamond who do, who would have thought that the old pit bull himself was the, the Pied Piper for all that was good and right in the world and all that was sort of railing against the bad boys at, at Worcester Goldring and Whittingham who are probably our joint devils of the year if we were ever going to award that Steve Diamond, his reputation went up enormously. I mean, he never ended up managing to buy Worcester, but the way he led that team in like ultimate adversity, I feel a doff of the cap to the former Worcester Warriors head coach. And who knows what he'll end up doing in 23, but it'll be something exciting, I'm sure. I like that answer. Yeah, that I think that's exactly. great. I didn't expect that, I'll be honest. No. That's why I it's was... the unexpected hero. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Because I was going to say Freddie Burns for his drop goal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of the title that was that was my set my and the four day bender nice well that was on yeah so Burns was on the three that I wrote down Capowatsu was one but actually I'm giving it to Samuel Marquez the Portugal scrum half oh yeah for stepping up to kick the penalty goal that qualified Portugal for the World Cup there you're talking my language for you and at the start of this year we had tier two Twitter accounts coming at us for making jokes about the tier two countries come on we're celebrating them we're covering them extensively and we're even awarding unexpected hero awards to Portuguese guys so look at us right so that's our three unexpected heroes out the seat moment I've got two 
Uh, one of them is a quick thing. The Harlequins try that they scored against Montpellier where I think it was Garbisi mistouched just because Danny Kerr flicked it back in. Marcus Smith burst through, dummy switch with Esther Hazen, Goostep, Murley two-on-one, Marchant in the corner. They actually ended up losing the game, but it was a hell of a try and it happened right in front of me. And then the other one was more of a kind of out-your-seat weekend, maybe, where I did a French triple header, uh, Brief Saracens, Toulouse-Ulster, and then Montpellier-Quinn's first leg. And Robert Balakoon's hat-trick in Toulouse and then beating them there was epic. And also made better by ending up in the Toulouse Hospitality Lounge and giving the Pat Marshall Rugby Writers Award to Antoine Dupont over a charcuterie board. So they're my two. That's I cool. um, don't know about you, Alex, but I'm surprised that uh, Will didn't actually name Esther Hazen in his, his, his 15 for the year as well. <laughs> 2021. It was more 21. <laughs> the I'm, I'm going more route one with this one, and it's uh, the try created by Ange Capoazzo for Italy uh, to end their horrific slump in the Six Nations and defeat Italy. It was a moment of brilliance. It literally got people, loads of people on their feet. Just it, Also, jaws were hitting floors. There was a lot of love for Italy finally righting the ship and getting a big result, maybe not in Wales, but still. And it was also just a crowning moment for one of the game's brightest young talents. Um, so for that reason, I just think... And there was all the other stuff that went with it as well. There was the where was the man of the match award going? Josh Adams tried to give it to him, you know, that kind of stuff. It was just a, a just a brilliant moment all round. Yeah, that was a brilliant moment. One of those that, that you wish you'd been there there to see. I guess it's not often you choose to be a Wales-Italy game ahead of ahead of another over a weekend, but certainly the, the principality this, this year became the place that you wish you'd been. You'd, you wish you'd been there for, for, for those scrums at the end of the Georgia game. We were all at Twickenham and out of our seats in the, in the press room at Twickenham watching watching those. So that that must count too. Um, I was there. Alex was weeping with joy watching those scrums. I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a great thing. What have I noted down? Well, I watched England for most of the year, so didn't come up with too many out of the seat <laughs> moments. That probably the one that that first came to mind was Henry Arundel's try in the at the end of the first test in Australia, which as a moment was was pretty special. The problem was that the game was gone, and and I was in the middle of writing a. Uh, a highly critical match report of England <laughs> bl- blowing that game, so it kind of didn't probably didn't register in the way that that it it should have done, or you you wish it had done. So like, I'm I'm kind of giving a lot of generals. I was going to agree with with Kapowatsu. I mean that that for me was the the kind of the moment of of the year, even though I I wasn't there. Can right. I give you my quote of the year? Go on. Oh yeah, go on. It's from someone who's in our our team of the year. It's just when, I mean, there wasn't an award for this, but I just thought it bears mentioning is uh, Tyg Furlong when he was selected to be captain for Ireland against Fiji. You know, he he was saying that it had never really been something that he dreamed of when he was younger to captain his country. And someone innocently was like, uh, well, what did you dream of? And his answer was spuds, gravy, (laughs) the mother's Sunday roast. And it was just just this moment of earnest brilliance. It was like, yeah, fair enough. I'm with you there for that one. Also, just whilst we're sweeping through moments, I mean, Alex mentioned the Georgia's win against Wales. Also, Georgia's win against Italy was was brilliant. And that's probably was the shot in the arm that the Italians have needed. Um, Abby Dow's try for the Red Roses during the Women's World Cup was, was a moment of brilliance. Chile and Portugal qualifying for for the Rugby World Cup just brilliant brilliant stuff and my personal my personal highlight was the atmosphere of watching spain qualify for the oh. rugby world cup and then 
weeks later, it was taken away from them. For the we did a whole pod on that and <laughs> live back from Madrid, and then the carpet got pulled again. Right. Yeah. Okay. So those have been our uh, our moments, our highlights, our team, our everything else of the year. And next on the ruck, we're going to hear from Zoe Harrison, who was part of the Red Roses team that did lose that World Cup final, but also broke loads of records. So up next on the ruck, Zoe Harrison, the Saracens and England fly half. Right, so now on the ruck, we're joined, delighted to be joined by Red Roses, England and Saris fly half, Zoe Harrison. How are you, Zoe? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Happy Christmas. What's usually on the table at Christmas? Is it really traditional or are there a few tweaks? What are the kind of the traditions you guys have in your family? I wouldn't say there's like crazy traditions, but you have like a massive turkey. You know, one of those mm. when your mum is trying to force it in the oven. <laughs> I've got others and they can eat, like especially the younger one. It's massive, like six, seven, and he can eat and eat and eat. So, like half the turkey is basically for him. <laughs> what's your preference? Are you brown meat, white meat? What's 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 the Harrison one? Brown, hate dry, hate dry. I hate it when someone gives me a dry turkey. <laughs> what's the what the the trimming? I'm I'm a big um, pigs in blankets fan. What about you? Yeah, it's so, oh, if you don't like pigs in blankets, you're weird. I think you're weird. Um, <laughs> okay, if you're vegan. I'll accept that, but anything else, nah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Is it quite nice as well, like rugby players around Christmas, it's always a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? Because if you've got games and stuff like that, but you guys don't play until, I think, Jan the 7th. Yeah, we don't have games. Uh, Quinn's girls obviously have their big game as well, but we normally have our two weeks off. We might have a training session in in there somewhere, but other than that, we get Christmas off. It's quite nice, actually. So does that, do you allow yourself a few a few drinks and stuff responsibly? Oh, yeah. Also, on Christmas Eve, it's a, like, this is actually a bit of a tradition. Um, everyone from like my old school or around where I live goes to this one place in the town and everyone piles in there. Like, it is yeah. busy, but it's such a good time. And that's basically where everyone spends their Christmas Eve till we all get chucked out and, yeah, have a few drinks in there. Yeah, is that is that up in Harbourshire? That's what it's Trings, where you're from, isn't it? That yeah, area. It's the Aikman. Um, everyone that's from Tring will know will know about it. It's where like it's already been talked about. Like everyone's everyone's always like, "Oh, are you going Aikman?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah I'm going Aikman." <laughs> so, what's the chatter going to be at the Aikman then about your 2022? It's been a hell of a year for England, for club, for country, for everything else. How do you kind yeah. of sit here and reflect on the on the year as a whole? Well, obviously, it's the bit the the big one gets asked well it was the big one was said about it's like the world cup and and get asked a lot a lot about that when i see people around train because also um it's quite nice the rfu um put up posters of us in our local town oh, not wow, posters nice. we were like on bus stops in where we were brought up <laughs> so local were sending me photos of the like my face on the bus stops or with them with my face while i was away in um New Zealand so quite a lot of people saw that and obviously were following what had happened so you get a lot of questions about that and it's all it's always that oh how's because it's people that you haven't seen for since last Christmas yeah yeah yeah. it's always like um oh what are you doing now and everyone's like obviously sees on Instagram I'm playing rugby and how it's gone so they just talk about that so yeah that is that that is the chat for me yeah so that the bus stop which bus number did were you next to what was your face on there's like five bus stops in Tring, and I was on all five. Oh, right, okay. Full coverage. 
laptop on there. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I don't know. There's always the weird things that happen around tournaments and World Cups, isn't it? It's, it's like the post boxes for the Olympians, wasn't it? They got gold post boxes all around the place. I kind of want one of those, but it means I have to go to an Olympics. So yeah, well, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, GB. So when you look at 2022, just on the field, obviously there's records and Grand Slam and everything else. But do you view it really positively, or do you still have that kind of bitter taste in the mouth because of the final and everything else? There's still that bitter taste, but I'd say positively, like with Saracens, we won the Prem again. So that was nice to get the title back. And obviously Six Nations, we won that as well. Unfortunately, I missed out quite a bit in the Saris season because I did get injured. But, you know, still winning a Prem at the end of it is is good. And then like playing all the games in Six Nations and and uh, winning that. But obviously it was the, uh, the big one of losing the final. There's always going to be that, that to it which is how it's kind of ended. Um, but it's remembering about the like the winning streak and how well we did and, and stuff like that we have to just keep reminding ourselves of. Um, it's unfortunate that's the ending to the 2022, but um, still reflecting back on it, I've, I've still won a Six Nations in a Premiership and got to a World Cup final in that whole year. So it's remembering that as yeah. well. Is it one that, well, I don't know if you're over it already or not, but it just took a long time to sort of compartmentalise and kind of make sense of. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I couldn't couldn't make sense of it. I still can't make really sense of it at all now. Um, but obviously I've now shifted back into Saracens and that's that's what I'm trying to now focus on and trying, I mean, I'll never forget, but like trying to forget what happened and obviously the first, I've got over the first like shock of it. But yeah, it was like also like, I was watching the um the men's World Cup and I was telling my friend like that first like the shock of when the whistle goes and you haven't won it's like it's I've never obviously never felt that feeling before but it is such a shock to be like oh like we didn't do it but yeah and then that kind of like obviously that was a big shock like for the first like the rest of that night and then the next two weeks it was just shock and like couldn't really believe what happened but now it's yeah I've gone back into Saris and that's kind of the main focus and like trying to push it aside and forget I imagine there would have been such an range of emotions on the the, the next day after and the couple of days it took you to get home because you're so far away in New Zealand and everything else and then seeing your family where it probably comes back again was there a moment where I don't know it all sort of hit you was it straight away after the whistle or in the dressing room or I don't know on the on the flight back or something like that where it just kind of hit you in a wave maybe no it was it was straight away it was it was as soon as the whistle went and we hadn't done it it really hit like I just never expected us to not be lifting the trophy like me personally I just never expected us to not be lifting the trophy so the fact that we weren't I was I I didn't know what to obviously straight tears straight away but I was honestly just in shock and then yeah the the flight home that was horrible it was like get me home now Mm. um I actually went away quite quickly after on holiday just uh try to do like normal normal things and and try to forget and have sort of have a good time without trying to think of it too much so yeah that's what I that's what I did it was the first I think it was the first week it was like what honestly what's going on also you're jet lagged so I was like a zombie and then I was sad and then I, oh yeah that that first week wasn't nice at all where did you go did you go abroad or were you just with your family yeah. or something uh, I went to Portugal I actually went with Jess Breach so we are roommates so we hung around with each other for eight weeks in New Zealand and also the weeks leading up to it in camp so we'd probably spent three over three months together sharing a room and then we decided also to go on holiday together after we're <laughs> <laughs> gonna leave each other alone we're like uh, maybe one day yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
what when you then came back home was it you could just able to park it i mean i don't know if you've you've managed to watch the game or whether you'd like to or it's helpful to to i don't know have that cathartic thing of just going through it and ripping the plaster off or whether you just go just never want to think about that ever again yeah i've i've not watched it and i don't really plan on watching it ever yeah kind of like just brush that one under the carpet and hope it never hope the carpet never gets pulled up sort of thing uh yeah i won't be i won't be watching that at all no. i don't plan on no so it must light the fire though I mean you're still very young and um, new into your sort of international and club career and everything else you've not had loads of years in it so did, does it light the fire for 23 and the next World Cup and everything else like is it that when you turn the new leaf like everyone does into the new year does that in your belly like f- forever that sort of disappointment that drives you on as for lots of sports people it's like that isn't it yeah I think it drives us on more the fact that it's going to be in England the next World Cup so obviously they sold out their stadium at Eden Park which is in 40,000 but ours is like 80,000 and if we filled out Twickenham there it's just, just so much better and then if we win as well in front of that many people it's a massive crowd so yeah that's like I think it gives us more drive to go do it do it next time but especially in front of the home crowd yeah, absolutely. So what what are your New Year's resolutions? What are you going to be turning into 23, maybe on or off the field? What, what are the things that you want to tick off in 23? You know what? I never have New Year's resolutions because I, you know, when you're young and you do the classic, yeah, I'm not going to eat chocolate and then I eat chocolate probably the next day. That's, that's, that's what I do. I can't do it. I can't do them. I don't, I don't stick to them. So I don't actually have any. Obviously the rugby is going to be like winning the pro again and winning another Six Nations. Just like tallying them up like keep on adding one more so that's what i say in a rugby sense other than that no i don't have any because i don't stick to, I'm, I'm that person that can't stick to them yeah 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 2022 has been a fascinatingly brilliant year for women's sport hasn't it with the lionesses and you guys going all the way winning your tournaments and breaking records and everything else what do you feel like the future is for more sports and women's sport and how we can do things better and improve things what could be the next big leap for women's sport do you think as a wider thing yeah I think it is like um just constant like being able to view us so it's like on like constantly having us on tv um I think our league has just got a, a deal well just got a deal got a deal at the start of the season that we we're going to be shown on our, each round was going to have a game on BBC iPlayer so stuff like that that we're visible um I know that the um WSL is always on BT Sport every weekend so it's like if we can keep like obviously that's a big step up for us that we're an iPlayer next we need it to be like that we have maybe on BT Sport every every weekend or something like that it's um, just the constant step ups to like us being visible and like on social media and people can see us I think that's where we're going to grow um, obviously we need to keep having the success like we are having for people to want to be engaged with us so that's the part that's on us but I think for the people around us it's keeping us on TV keep, keeping the social media alive um, and then we'll constantly be having buy-in for more and more people. It's a fascinating thing isn't it with I find with women's sport is that there's always that real sense of responsibility with you all that you really want to grow your own sport and want to be out there and push yourselves where maybe other sports maybe some male sports they kind of just concentrate on playing the game on the weekend and that's for lots of people that's kind of enough but do you really feel that weight of having to do something bigger than just playing fly half for England yeah um yeah it is I like it's that pressure that us as a team um need to play well to 
for people to be interested in us in us like I think the fact that we've gone on a 30 is it 30 win streak or something like that that's what's got people really interested in us and wanting to watch us and that's how it's grown our fan base and made more girls want to play rugby with the men's like they've already already got the crowds in they've already got all sorts of things that all they need to focus on is is playing whereas I think yeah for us it's it's focusing on playing winning and then also keeping building our fan base and and wanting people to come back and watch us and want more well, let's hope that the ch- the chatter in the pub is is all about women's rugby and everything else over Christmas and the positivity that you guys brought. I mean, it's, it's been an unbelievable year, despite that that last result, hasn't it? And that you can celebrate all the things you ticked off in twenty twenty two with a glass over Christmas. Awesome, Zoe, that's been brilliant. Thanks so much for coming on, and all the best for New Year and twenty three. Here's to the next World Thank Cup and twenty five. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Really appreciate that, Bye. Zoe. Thanks so much. Right, there you go. Fascinating to hear about Zoe Harrison and her year. Lads, that's nearly us, but we are turning into 2023, so we must think of New Year's resolutions and all that. Your dream, your hope for 2023 to end it off. Mine is going to be, and I think this is consistent for me in World Cup years, is seeing Fiji go deep in the World Cup. If Fiji makes semi-finals of the World Cup, then all is good in the world. So that is going to be mine. Alex Lowe, your dream for 23. I guess... World Cup related that it that it is the tournament that we all at this stage expected it should be and hope that it can be. That's the dream. One thing I'd like to see come into the to the game in 2023. It seems so simple, but we don't do it. There's so, so much conversation that happens between the referees and the and the players on the field that, that the paying public in the stand have no idea about. It occurred to me in the England South Africa game when England had been put on a warning in the first half, and then Tom Curry got Simbin in the second half. And it was was reminded frequently that they were still on a warning. No one in the stadium knew that England were on a warning. There are screens, there are LED advertising hoardings. The team get put on a warning, flash it up in the stadium. England are on a warning. Engage everyone in the ground, in the stadium, with what's happening down on the field better. Otherwise, more and more people will stay at home and watch it on TV. For me, I'm going to believe that the World Cup is going to be exceptional. I'm very much looking forward to it. My dream for 2023 is that no more famous clubs go bust and that no more famous figures get suspended prison sentences and that 2023 is the year that we all fall madly back in love with the scrum. That's going to happen. Right, so there you go. There are our hopes and dreams of 2023. Thanks so much to everyone for joining and listening across 2022. It's actually been my first year doing the Ruck, so thank you, everyone. And thanks to Alex and thanks to Alan. His new issue of the... Rugby World magazine is going to be out in when, Alan? 28th of December, it's on the shelves. Go get it. Go get it, everyone. And get their team of the year. You've had ours, and you can look at theirs and compare the two. But for now, we will show leave... me for two different teams that I've got wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we'll leave you now to your leftovers and everything else, and we'll be back in New Year, uh, early January, for the next Ruck of 2023 World Cup year. Looking forward to it. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.